Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Nick Augustine, and I'm here with attorney Mark Scroggins of Rule Scroggins, PLLC, divorce and family law firm in Dallas, serving Dallas, Denton, and Collin counties. This is the Rule Scroggins Family Law Podcast Series, featuring news and information in Texas divorce and family law. Today's program is How to Prepare for Divorce and Why People File for Divorce in August. I'm here with attorney Mark Scroggins. A few of the points that we'll talk about in our discussion this afternoon, we'll talk about why late summer is a very popular time to file for divorce for many. We'll talk about kids going back to school or when kids are barely old enough to go back to school. Uh, How to prepare for a divorce case even before you go to see your divorce attorney. Of course, managing things proactively so you can keep control, such as content on social media. We'll also talk about late summer divorce filings and why those may lead us to having temporary orders set before the holidays. Again, Mark Scroggins is here with me today, and he's a partner in the Dallas law firm of Rule Scroggins, PLLC. Mark is board certified in family law and has been practicing family law for over 20 years. This is a general information program, and any opinions are just that, opinions, and they are not legal advice. Nothing said on the program creates attorney-client relationships, and all rights are reserved. We want to remind our friends out there to, uh, again, share these podcasts when you see them in your Uh, social media channels for other folks who may not necessarily tell the world that they're looking for information about filing for divorce, and they may find this quite helpful. All right, it's time to uh, say good morning to Mark Scroggins. Hey, Nick, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you today, Mark? So far, so good. Well, that's good. It's a Friday, and uh, I know that this is a a very busy time, so I do appreciate your uh, time this morning. Uh, let's talk about why, you know, normally we think of January as the big January, a big divorce month, which is true, but late July and early August, also very big times for uh, people filing for divorce. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, they're, they're just, they're big similarities, frankly, between these times. I mean, uh, a lot of the time, I mean, sometimes it's different, but, you know, typically through the summer, the kids are out kids are out of school and the folks don't want to, uh, or folks, I should say the parents, a lot of the time don't want to, you know, start this type of drama, uh, when the kids are out and underfoot and, you know, running around and, and all of that. So what you tend to see a lot of the time are kind of two things. One, if somebody's already made the determination that, uh, that they're going to, going to go ahead and file for divorce, but there is not any urgency to it. A lot of the time they're going to wait until, the kids are back in school, so so there's more of a routine for the kids, and uh, it tends to be a little easier on that on them that way. They're distracted. There's more time for the parties to actually deal with uh, with what all goes on in a divorce, and that's kind of the same thing. Uh, some of the similarities around uh, the Christmas holidays between Thanksgiving and Christmas, although. Uh, another area that is similar is, uh, you know, I see a lot of clients that will come in, say, after the holidays, and like, well, I was going through the holidays to give it one more shot and see if we could make it work, um, you know, and it didn't, and that's why I'm here. And you see some of that, you know, over the summer because of the similarity. Well, and summer summer vacations, too. Uh, Mark, you dropped off. If you can uh, call back in. Um 
one of the things that I've seen as well, again, is uh, throughout the summertime, the kids are around, and like you said, uh, it's good to have them back in a routine before things get somewhat disrupted. And, you know, trying it again through the holidays, very similar to, you know, maybe a good summer vacation is what it can take sometimes to have people uh, work their issues out and try to rekindle things. Mark, I'm going to try to we lost Mark temporarily. I'm going to try to get him back here by calling him directly. Hold on for one second, folks. Hello, Nick. Lost you, lost you for a second. Okay, we were just—I uh, don't know—the the the bugs in the the bugs in the universe of technology this morning. That's Friday. The machines don't want to work. I was just uh, again reiterating some of the things you said about. Uh, <clears throat> you know, summer vacations and that being another opportunity for people to again try to make things work and get out there as a cohesive family unit and uh, sometimes again it's just uh, you reaffirm what you thought before uh, but again getting through that summer vacation is a good thing and getting the kids back in school so um, moving on from that what mm-hmm. do you tell people who are, you know, saying, okay, I gave it one last shot. This is not obviously working. Uh, the kids are back in school now. What should people be doing to prepare? Well, I mean, one of the one of the most important things in preparing for a divorce is you want to make sure that you actually have knowledge of what your, um, you know, what your financial situation is. A lot of the time you end up where one party or the other is the one who really uh, is in control of the finances. Uh, you know, they're the ones making, making all the payments. They may or may not be, you know, the, the one who is making all or the majority of, of the money. Um, but a lot of the time you have people that just don't know what the financial situation is. They don't know, you know, even who the, who the mortgage payment is, is made to or, or what that mortgage payment is. They don't know what, the investments are or where they're located, how much they have. So, so you really kind of need to go into an information gathering mode. So, you know, when you get a notice online or you still get something in the mail on credit cards or the mortgage or anything like that, you know, you need to make copies of all that stuff and download it and keep it in a, in a safe place so that you can actually have a, a good understanding of what's out there. So, you know, it's a little difficult to, to say exactly what you're asking for as far as division of the marital estate goes if you don't know what, what makes up the marital estate. Right, right. Here's my question. Um, how, how does one do this without their spouse finding out? And, um, you know, we've seen a lot of comments and things online um, you know, when people have, you know, gone to, they just want to know where they stand. Hey, if I were to get divorced, you know, I've been married mm-hmm. for eight years or 20 years. What am I looking at? And, um, you know, when people find out, oh, I saw, I saw your spouse coming out of the parking lot of that lawyer's office today. Things, you know, ooh, not good. Um, so how, you know, if, if you're the person in the marriage who has not been the one to control the money and all of a sudden mm-hmm. starts asking questions and looking to see things or is, you know, up in the middle of the night with a flashlight and that in the office room of the house going through files, uh, well, you know, what's a good way to, you know, what do you tell people, uh, you know, so they don't, I guess, uh, you know, out themselves to the other one that they're, you know, poking around in the financials. Well, that's a hard thing to do. Um, you know, it's, it's easier if, you know, say uh, you have one person who's been a stay-at-home spouse and the other is working. I mean, 
look when the other person is not there, you know, uh, the, the other is, you know, you just got to take advantage of times where, uh, you know, nobody else is around. That's, that's really kind of what it comes down to a lot of the time. Um, you know, there's, there's no easy answer to that. Um, you know, and a lot depends on, uh, how you are receiving, you know, invoices on things or, or statements on things, you know, it used to be, you got everything in the mail. So it was pretty easy to, you know, you could get a copy or get, uh, get the statement in the mail and you make a copy of it and it's all good. You know, now, so often I know personally, I, I really don't get much of anything in paper. Pretty much everything is electronic. So, you know, our, uh, you know, is it going to both parties or is it just going to one? So it's, it's difficult. I mean, it's something that, uh, you know, it might come down to you've just you've just got to ask, or that's something that you need to discuss with your uh, excuse me with your divorce lawyer and ask them, does it make sense for for me to have this conversation or not, um, or should we just go ahead and move forward and file? Uh, because you know, every case is different. You know, some of these things can be done relatively amicably. Um, and then there's some that it's just, you know, uh, it's a scorched earth type of situation. And in those situations, a lot of the time, the bigger concern is making sure that that person is subject to, if not a temporary restraining order, at least the standing orders, uh, so that there are some teeth in uh, the remedies involved if they start, you know, trying to hide or destroy things. Right. Well, and, you know, something that we don't talk about too often but it's quite a reality uh, there are some folks who come in to hire a lawyer and file for divorce who have talked about divorce with their spouse before maybe they've even filed before and then taken it off the table um, or not gone through with it so in that instance and I remember uh, I remember some people who the the husband started hiding money around town in different um, you know, safety boxes at the bank, and wife had wife had a feeling because he had said something one night after having too much to drink. You know, well, you know, you'll only get what they can find because it's stashed all over, and right. um, you know, short of calling. And so she gives, she produces a list of <laughs> just about every bank. Um, you know, and it was going to the judge and saying, well, you know, we want you know to be able, we want to subpoena the, all these banks and. It's, uh, you know, what they call in family law a fishing expedition at that point. Like, do yep. you actually know that they're there or not? Um, you know, so, what do you, so you know, people could, in, in contemplation of divorce, start hiding things all over the place. And, and wife or, you know, husband may not know where, that, where those assets are. Yeah, that's a, very, that's a very real possibility. And, I mean, that is a, that's a hard thing to that's a hard thing to discover. I mean, that's where you go through the discovery process and, you know, hope to obtain certain information. But a lot of time it's getting a forensic accountant, um, you know, a forensic accountant in place who's going to go through and look for withdrawals. A lot of the times you have to kind of back into it. So a lot of the time you can, you can tell that there's a whole lot of money missing, but you might not know where it ends up. And then it becomes an issue of, showing who actually had control of those funds. So whether or not you actually find it can be, I don't want to say immaterial because that's not accurate, but let's say less material um, because you can establish that that person would have been the one wasting community assets and it can bring about what is called a reconstituted estate. So 
let's say that husband hid a hundred hundred thousand dollars. Okay, if you if you can show that hey a hundred thousand dollars of what he had what were under you know what was under his control is now missing. Uh, you can, you know, and, and that's, that's shown, you can ask the judge to reconstitute the, the marital estate, which may basically would add that hundred thousand back into it. And then you divide it like that hundred thousand is never there was, or, uh, was never missing, I should say. So if their account, you know, if that brought the total marital estate to 500,000 and the court said, okay, basically 250, we're splitting it right down the middle, 250 goes to each. Well, that hundred thousand dollars that has disappeared is going to be on husband's side. So wife's going to get her 250 and 150 is going to go to go to husband, even though it is viewed as or was uh, was ordered to be a, a 50-50 split. You follow? Mm-hmm. I do. So and so that's that's something that can uh, that's something that can be done occasionally. There's a you know, and that begs another question. So let's say one party controls the money and the other party does not and uh that party who does not have control is not going to be able to get away with uh swiping or writing a check for a retainer at a divorce firm so they may say well i'm gonna you know i don't know take a part-time job or do something to earn cash on the side or borrow money from you know mom or grandma or someone or uh you know put it in a separate account aren't they doing this very same thing of you know wasting community assets at that point or you know do you tell people maybe if uh you know maybe your mother or sister or someone whoever uh maybe write the check for you to hire the lawyer and you just owe them and pay them back i mean people might be concerned about uh you know getting into that community asset wasting situation as well if they're on a, well, I mean, you're never going to you're never going to get into a into a wasting situation if you're you know paying attorney's fees. I mean, that is something that is always specifically allowed under uh, under the standing orders of any county that's large enough to have standing orders. That's always something that is going to be allowed, um, you know, by a court when a temporary restraining order is issued. So I don't get too concerned about that. The concern is more so of the other spouse finding out that you have retained a lawyer before you want them to know that. So, so there are times where, you know, if there is a concern about, you know, husband or wife finding out that the, the other has retained a lawyer and, you know, you might want to see if you can, you know, temporarily borrow the money from mom or dad or from someone just to pay the retainer amount. Or, you know, what I do at, at times is, I will uh, hold on to, let's say somebody wants to put it on a credit card, is I will hold off on actually uh, taking the deposit until, you know, right when we're ready to file. And that way, you know, cat's out, about to be out of the bag anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Right. Very, very, uh, you know, it's very unnerving, I suppose, for people. And you can appreciate why you want the kids, <laughs> to the extent that the kids are not at home, and back in school to uh, not be underfoot when, when it, you know it may hit the fan, so to speak. Um, in, right. You know, in addition, it's, it's not just that, but I mean, it's also that, you know, this is this is your drama. It's not the kids' drama. Unfortunately, it involves the kids. You know, but you don't want um, you want to try to keep the exposure to the children minimized as much as you possibly can, and so. Obviously, if the kids are in school and, you know, let's say they've got, 
extracurricular activities. You know, it's it's the fall. Football practice is starting. Volleyball practice is starting. So, you know, Billy and Jeannie are going to be both at school, and then they've got, you know, volleyball and football practice after. So, you know, the vast majority of the day they're not around. Well, you know what? That's good on a on a bunch of different fronts in that they don't have time to sit there and obsess about mom and dad getting a divorce. They actually have to do other things. And the other is it allows mom and dad to deal with, uh, you know, the dealings of a divorce without, um, you know, being asked questions constantly by, by the kids as to, you know, what's going on and what does this mean and what's, you know, what's going to happen to us. Yeah. Here's, here's a question that, uh, when do you tell them, uh, you know, do you tell the kids when, I suppose it also depends on their age, you know, whether you decide to tell them anything. I mean, they're going to know at some point if something happens. But um, when is a good time generally for people to tell their kids and how do they do that? You know, that's a that's another another really hard, uh, hard question to answer. I mean, in the in a perfect situation, you know, uh, mom and dad are doing this as amicably as possible. They might disagree about some things, but. Uh, they can agree to, you know, sit down together and let the kids know how much they are loved by each of them and that, um, you know, they're going to be getting a divorce. Now, exactly when that happens, you know, generally I think it's best if you can do it a little bit before, before everything is filed so that, you know, you don't, you don't shock them. Although, you know, there are times when that's just not an option and, uh, you know, if there's been family violence involved, if there is, uh, if there are questions about, uh, you know, hiding or secreting of, of money or, or other assets, uh, you know, you generally don't have that opportunity. Um, so exactly how and when to do that, you were right in what you said in that a lot of that depends on, uh, on the ages of the kids. So, you know, in the in the best situation, you can sit down and do it together. In the worst situation, it's going to be, you know, one parent having you know having to say something, and hopefully, they can at least put the acrimony aside enough to tell the kids, hey, here's what's happening, um, you know, and we're going to do the the best we can related to y'all. Right, right. You know, another question I have is about getting your ducks in a row before for divorce and possibly before even coming to see your uh, divorce attorney for that consultation. And one of the things that pops up to mind is um, <clears throat> Facebook, uh, or as one of my friends calls it, divorce book. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> nothing, can, nothing can shake a already untrusted marriage than having your exes pop up and say, hey, would you friend me on Facebook? Um, you know, some people will say, and I've heard them say, Take your page offline, shut it down, go through, delete anything that, you know, could possibly be construed against you. But when we are already in a filed cause and there's already an action pending, that can be a, a tricky thing, too. Um, you don't want to just, you know, that can, we've talked about this a little bit before, but uh, what are some sage words of advice concerning social media accounts and people uh, contemplating divorce and getting ready to file? Well, let me let me start by saying this: if, if the lawsuit is already already ongoing, you're stuck. You can't uh, you can't start deleting anything unless you really want to, you know, open up uh, possibilities of, of trouble. So you need to know that right away. Um, as far as if if nothing has happened, there 
there is not anything to prevent you from uh, doing a little spring cleaning, so to, so to speak, on, right. on those things if, if there's not a lawsuit uh, in place. So um, what I tell people is, uh, you know, if, if, if there's stuff that is up there that is stupid, you know, you have a 35th birthday party that's out there and, you know, you and the guys or you and the girls are, you know, uh, uh, there's pictures of y'all with a beach ball or with a, uh, uh, a beer bong, you know, on the beach in Cancun with, you know, lots of people scantily clad of the opposite sex there. You might want to take that down, you know? Um, now you got to understand though, you know, it just because you take it down, doesn't necessarily mean that your spouse hasn't screenshotted it and all that stuff. And if you're asked about it, you sure as hell can't lie about it. Okay. Cause right. that will do more to destroy your credibility than anything. But if the case has gone on, you just need to go quiet on, uh, on social media. And, um, you know, for, for most of my clients, that is, that is not an issue. However, there have been some, uh, and frankly, this tends to be, those that are a little younger now that have, you know, kind of, I don't want to say grown up with social media because it hadn't been a long, around that long to, to do that. But uh, let's say some that have just fully adopted and, you know, they live by putting stuff on, uh, you know, Facebook and Instagram and, you know, Snapchat and, you know, anything you can think of. then, uh, you know, you just got to keep continue to reinforce, go quiet and don't do anything because uh, there are times when, when people post something and, you know, it can be incredibly, incredibly damaging. And, um, you know, if you think somebody isn't going to find it, you're wrong because they're going to. Right. Or like they say, the best relationships are the ones you don't see online. And if those are the best divorces, also not the ones you see online and nobody wants to go through i mean it's bad enough with everything on politics the last thing we need is you know hashtag my lawyer kicked my soon to be ex's butt today blah 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 you think you're getting the kids no way buddy you know, <laughs> no one needs that so yeah. don't do it just don't right. do it don't do right. it all right let's talk about temporary orders if we're filing in yep. uh august we want to get some of this stuff done because we don't want to be, you know, leaving the Halloween party for a court hearing and this and that. How long does it take to get things set in place so that we may actually be cruising through the holidays with a divorce going on, but not in a mode of chaos? Well, it, it depends on if you if you file a temporary restraining order or not. If you file a temporary restraining order, then you have to have a temporary order hearing set within two weeks of the temporary order hearing or that the temporary restraining order, I should say, does not expire during that time frame. Um, so you can get one as quickly as two weeks. Uh, if you don't, since most of the big counties uh, around here, so Dallas, Collin, and Denton all have standing orders. Um, so with the standing orders in place, a lot of the time you don't need to get a, a temporary restraining order. So, you know, that temporary order hearing uh, typically is going to be set somewhere between, you know, 10 days and a month out, something like that. So, uh, you know, once, once that is done, then, you know, the, the court most of the time is going to rule on the spot. Every once in a while they'll take it under advisement and you might have to wait a day or two, but that's not, 
that is the exception to the rule, I would say. And so then once those are in place, you know, that, that pretty much governs everything for the dependency of the uh, dependency of the litigation, unless, you know, something comes up where you have to revisit certain issues, which you know, happens at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, thinking about other possible consequences or, you know, from filing in August or late summer, uh, another thing that pops up uh, might be the issue of uh, income tax and decisions that by the end of the year, whether to be filing married or jointly, uh, whatnot, how much of a consideration, if any, should that play in someone who's making the decision when to file? Well, I mean, if you're still married, I mean, there's not, you know, unless you've got serious, serious concerns about uh, one spouse that is, you know, uh, doing some some either unethical or illegal things in the tax return, you know, that it's kind of stupid not to not to file jointly because uh, as bad as the, you know, the rate is for a married person as compared to single, uh, it's that much worse if you do married filing separately, you know, I mean, so you will just absolutely get raked over the coals by the IRS in doing that. Um, But, you know, there, there are times where it makes sense, you know, if you've got, and this really only comes into play when you're talking about very large estates and say you've got someone that's playing around with, uh, you know, offshore money and is trying to, to do some things that are pretty shady, uh, especially in light of litigation that's come about since 9-11 and uh, things of that sort. You have to be really careful with that. Um, that might be a situation where you would consider, you know, married filing separately. But otherwise, you know, it really doesn't make any sense to do that because you're just – you know, causing financial heartache for everybody. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Well, we got about three minutes left. Any other final tips or advice or wisdom that you have to people who are considering uh, filing for a divorce and now may be the time? Well, I think this generally is a good time, uh, you know, because the kids are getting back to school. There's a whole lot going on. They're distracted, and uh, it gives you the time to to focus on what you need to without having to, uh, you know, worry about exactly what the kids are doing, you know, 24-7 like you do during during the summer, you know, especially depending upon, upon their ages. But then when you can, you know, try to gather as much information as you can. And if you can't, you know, that's okay, too. There's ways that we can go about getting the information. So you're not stuck, you know, in a in a bad marriage, uh, unable to get out just because you can't find this information prior to filing. Okay, you just do what you can. And, and then you go, you go see the right folks and, and you move forward. So, um, so that is what I would my big words of, of advice would be there is, Try to figure out as much as you can. Don't worry about too much if, if you can't because we can, you know, help you find that stuff through the discovery process. Um, and once we get a hold of all that, you know, we'll, we'll be able to figure out exactly what the right strategy is for you to accomplish uh, what your goals are. Absolutely. One follow-up question with the schools. Um, sure. What if, what, if anything, does the school do? I, I, I just wonder if they have policies for – uh, you know, kids that enroll at their school when parents are going through divorce, do they have any protocols or anything that they may do, or is it just another day for them and they really don't care? 
you know, it depends on the cases. I mean, schools are used to dealing with this kind of thing. They don't like it, but they do. Um, you know, something that is common a lot of times with younger kids, they have folders that are sent home either daily or weekly that have what the assignments are, what homework is, uh, you know, is due and when, what the grades have been and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of the time requires a, a parent signature. Well, a lot of the time what they will do in situations like that, you can request a duplicate file be made so that both mom and dad, you know, are getting these. Uh, there are times where you're going to need to provide a copy of the temporary orders to, uh, to the school, especially if you've got, you know, a, a, a school-aged child who is not of the age to drive yet so that the, the school knows who the child can be released to. You know, you don't want mom coming to pick up the child on Tuesday if dad is supposed to be picking the child up from school on Tuesday. You know, and people play those kind of tricks to jack with each other. And it's stupid, but they do that sometimes. I mean, you know, the ramifications of it are bad, but you want to make sure that, uh, you know, the court knows what's going on there. Even more concerning is if there's a protective order against one of the parties that says, hey, you know, dad isn't allowed within 500 feet of the school. You know, you want to make sure the school knows that so that, you know, if he shows up, the police are called. So. So the schools have, you know, they have policies in place on how to deal with that. It's not their first rodeo by any stretch of the imagination. So that's just something you really need to consult with your with your lawyer about if you have any concerns about it as far as what exactly you need to do to let let teacher know and all that. And a lot of the time it's also good to let the teachers know just in case, you know, the kids are kind of seeming down, having a hard time with anything. It makes sense to let them know, hey, you know, uh, my wife and I are going through a divorce. If he's if there's some issues, I just wanted you to know that. Uh, please keep us both in the loop if if his behavior changes or if he's suddenly having any uh, you know any school issues that that we need to do something to try to rectify. Absolutely, um, you know that's again a lot of this comes back down to planning ahead. And, you know, like you said, letting the school know ahead of time, you know, contemplating what, what if anything, are, are school issues we may deal with in these, you know, reports that get sent home. So, again, the more homework you do and the more planning you do ahead of time, the better it can go. Hopefully smooth sailing for everyone and they can have a pleasant experience. Mark, if they want to learn more or have more questions, what's a good way for people listening to this podcast to get a hold of you? You can always call me at the office. My number is 214-578-0941, or even easier, feel free to just uh, send me an email at mark at rulescroggins.com. All right, very good. All right, well, Mark, as always, I appreciate your time, and we'll be back again soon. All right, thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right. And thank you, everyone else, for listening out there. And if you find these programs in your social media, again, be kind and hit that like and share button because you never know who's looking for exactly this information. Again, this is Nick Augustine with Mark Scroggins for the Rule Scroggins PLLC Family Law Podcast Series. Goodbye and have a great weekend.